shed to redeem our life from destruction. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. I thank you that blood has never, ever lost its power. Same power today as the day it was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Where that mercy triumphs over judgment. And because of that precious blood, though we have sinned, we are forgiven, washed, cleansed, sanctified, set in place as sons and daughters of God. Grant unto us today a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That in seeing you and knowing you more clearly, more accurately than ever before, we find ourselves in you. Flood our hearts with light that we might know what is the hope of our calling. In this day, in this hour, in this generation, that we don't look back simply to say, look what was done. But we realize that you are moving by your spirit right now in our generation at this time. I thank you in this place as we call out and we cry out, as you said, for the reign of the spirit of the living God. Why not us? Why not now? Why not here, God? We thank you. We are a place. We are a people for the spirit of God to move upon us that we truly might begin to experience the anointing like never before and the power that comes with that anointing, the grace that comes with that anointing to reach out from outside these four walls and begin to cause the light of the glorious gospel, the strength and the power of the living God to be seen by those around us that they truly might know and understand that you are good. That you died for their sin. So they wouldn't have to go to hell. But that they could receive eternal life with you. In full relationship. So open the eyes of our understanding today. That we might see an expectation of what we've been called to. Fill each one with the knowledge of your will with wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we might walk in the very value that you've placed upon our life with the blood of Jesus, strengthened with mighty power, that we might walk it out trusting in you with great joy and understanding we're not trying to qualify. We have qualified. You've redeemed our life from destruction. And now we walk as those who are sons and daughters of God. So strengthen each one for this very time, this very season, our generation, to walk in the very plans that you have for our life, understanding it's with an eternal purpose, that we pursue it with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that you might receive glory and honor and all praise. So we thank you for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' mighty, matchless, and majestic name, we pray. And everyone who agreed said... Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. We got some great things. I believe God is saying some things to us that will impact your heart, help you as you navigate every single day of life. And so why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Um, I want to make sure before we get into the word, um, right now one, just uh, 
those announcements that are coming up, you don't want to miss Marshall and Cindy when they come. Uh, Jim Hockaday when he comes. I believe that's a, a very important, uh, maybe even turning point service for us as God has spoken some things concerning the miraculous and healing uh, that, that you are in those services. Bring someone to those services. Uh, I, I believe that they're going to be great. Uh, first service, I was supposed to announce this just based on my words and a meeting that I had and I didn't tell anyone else. It's always dangerous when I have a meeting and then I tell no one else. Uh, so everyone listening right now that knows and can help me make sure this moves forward, uh, open your ears to hear what the pastor is saying. Uh, but Vanessa Lane uh, has uh, a ministry called God's Beloved, and uh, she is ministering to the homeless and, and continues to run out of uh, coats and um, so uh, it would be a great place for us to love, lift, and reach people. And so uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a coat drive. Praise the Lord. So um, grab some of those coats, and uh, I've got some in my closet, and they're not my worst coats that I've worn out and got grease on. There's just coats that, you know, uh, have accumulated over time, and uh, we're going to just bring those here. You can bring them. Um, where should they bring them? To the office? What if it's during the week? All right, they'll put a bin out there so you can bring it right out here to the front doors and uh, bring those coats, gloves, and uh, you know, it's been one of those winters, you know, it's not uh, a balmy 65 out there, but snow and cold, and so uh, she's been distributing those, and so we're just going to help her. There's some things, you know, some people who have, are doing some things, uh, as God's put it on their heart, outside, uh, reaching out. And so part of ours to love, lift, and reach, we're going to uh, put some highlight on those, and, and so you can be involved in some way in helping that outreach go. But that's one of those ways, and so uh, because I didn't tell anyone, it didn't get in the bulletin or the announcements, um, I'm telling you right now, and uh, wherever Jonathan is. Make sure you tell the night, the evening service, and so we can kind of make traction there. We'll maybe put it on Facebook, um, and then you can tell Vanessa I didn't forget about her, only temporarily. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So, all right, we got all that taken care of. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, we uh, began this year, and I, I have a lot to do, and so, um, praise the Lord. Uh, we began the year... Uh, I was going to share some things about vision, uh, and I, this kept coming up in my heart, turning point, turning point. So we've been sharing things about the turning point, and uh, we initially got in turning point. I looked up the definition. It just meant a specific point in time when a significant change is made. And so, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been going to some conferences, meeting with people. We were actually in Tulsa at a prayer conference and uh, just went to lunch, and when we went to the restaurant, we ran into some minister friends of ours at lunch. They weren't at the conference, and so we asked them to sit with us, and we were having lunch together. <coughs> Excuse me. People were talking about, you know, uh, what they were getting about the new year, and, and Pastor Tasha told our friends, well, Pastor Mark's been getting uh, this phrase, turning point, and that minister friend of ours said, I have gotten that same term, turning point, so we began to talk. And they sent me uh, some things that they had gotten, a definition of turning point that I'll share with you today. Um, but in talking about this, hopefully this will bring 
some light to you. But uh, again, as we've looked at that, and, and really in the first service, you know, you never know with two services exactly how the Spirit of God is going to, <coughs> excuse me, move. And so we're just going to jump in and start, and uh, uh, maybe a totally different type of a service, but we're going to try to cover uh, some of the information of the same uh, thing. So open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 3. I want to begin with this and the understanding of, uh, of this turning point, knowing it's a turning point year and, and, and how this all works and comes together. But this is our foundation as we began in December, God leading us in prayer. And I believe that we're coming into this, uh, you know, speaking with different people. We have been impressed. Um, we were at this prayer conference. Usually when you're at a prayer conference, conference, they talk about, you know, uh, God's moving in prayer. Happened to talk to Addison Bevere uh, this week, said, you know, just really stirred that God is doing something in prayer. And so we've been there. There's things that God is speaking uh, concerning uh, uh, different things coming together right now. We want to open our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. There's many a voices in the earth today. And Jesus said there'd be many voices. We'd have to be careful for false prophets in the last days, as well as be aware of those who are speaking by inspiration of the Spirit of God. And so uh, in that, you're, you're navigating some things, what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church, me, uh, uh, other people. But I believe that prayer is such a vital vital part of what we're doing. And so, again, rearranging some things just in my thinking right now in this service, but we were there two weeks ago when I was here talking about prayer and being led by the Spirit of God. And so these foundational texts that we have, I'm, I'm saying those not that you don't know them, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you know, when we first started, God spoke these things to my heart, and really I began to obey him in this. It wasn't instantaneous, but what I am finding that in all of my ways, all of my ways, he's directing my path. And so here we'll read these, and then we'll move on. It says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, I mean, we could break down the heart here, I'll get off. Really off track. All right, we've, I, mean, I keep going. All right, sorry. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on in here right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You're not the author of confusion. Help me. Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Somebody say, all my ways. Come on, we've talked about this, but it bears uh, uh, reestablishing all your ways. That means your church, not just your church ways. Too many times we come to church and we act churchy, right? We don't want anybody to know that maybe we've had problems or maybe we, we didn't have a great week or maybe, you know, what we did last night. So we're, but he said, I don't want you to just give me your church ways. I want you to give me all of your ways. So I want you to give me your church ways. I want you to give me your business ways. I want you to give me your family ways, right, whatever your role is. I want you to give me your thought ways. I want me to give you, I want you to give me your voice. I want you to give me your direction. All your ways. You may say those last few, you're like, mm, I don't know. But we get to the point of it doesn't really matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I say. Yet, see, this is why we give them all of our ways. 
He said, your thoughts are incredibly important. They're the place where warfare is done. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, sometimes we're all like about spiritual warfare, and we're not even capturing our thoughts. We're like, wow, we're going to get the devil. And he's just like throwing thoughts in and, and just whooping us. So that's where warfare is done. He says, so if you give me your thoughts, God, I'm just submitting my thoughts to you. You ever done that with somebody? You know, in prayer, we talked about it. You know, submit it. What do you think about this? What I'm thinking right now, give me your input. You ever done that with anybody? Well, why not do it with the Holy Spirit? This is what I'm thinking. Now, we do that a lot of times, thinking he's going to agree with us. So we kind of manipulate the conversation or the prayer to get what we want out of it. And if not, prayer time's usually over. But if we actually submit it to him, this is what I'm thinking. And I'm just telling you by testimony, just taking a few moments to go, this is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? He will snap you out of it in a second. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And I've heard a couple of times, not that. And I'm like, well, what are you thinking then? He said, here's what I'm thinking. And almost always, almost always, he will take me to God's word. This is what I'm thinking about this. Amen. So all of our ways, he can start directing our paths. He can direct our paths. You don't want to be drawn and quartered right now. In other words, you don't want to be going this way in your church ways and this way in your business. Because there's coming upon the earth a time when the dark will get darker and the light lighter. And you can't be going two directions at the same time in two different areas of your life. It will pull you apart. In the name of Jesus. Now is not a time, as Alan said, to be double-minded in any area. So in all of our ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Reverence the Lord and depart from evil. Well, I'm not evil. Uh, uh, God defines evil this way. Doing your own thing, not his thing. Going your own way, not his way. Depart from evil. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And it will be health to your flesh. And strength to your bones. See, many people in their, in their soul, they're being pulled. And in being pulled in their soul, it's affecting their body. And he said, when those come in line with one another, when your spirit and your soul come in line with the word of God, it has a major impact on your body. Health to all their flesh, strength to your bones. So say it again, all my ways. Psalms 37, starting verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So again, feed on his faithfulness. Don't feed on the news. Right now is not a great time to be feeding on the news of the day. 
right? You say, well, I like to stay informed. Okay, we'll stay a little informed, but quit feeding on it. Quit feeding on the news of the day. Well, I don't know how to feed on his faithfulness. Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, praise the Lord. So one good way to start feeding on his faithfulness is to go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, you'll begin there. It starts off, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So right there, we start to understand we're talking about the faithfulness of God. Things he said that we don't see yet, he wants to make visible to us. Why? Because he's always faithful. So then he begins with a list of people. We call it, uh, in different uh, circles, we call it Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. Right? He'll say, by faith Abraham, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Okay. So he said, well, I thought we were going to talk about God's faithfulness. Just stay with me for a moment. You read what all those people did by faith, and then you go ahead, and, and as you read by faith, go back and see what they did. So then you'll come back in that study, you'll come back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now we've just explained all that. It said, all of these people by faith lived their life in such a great way, pressing towards a promise that they had never seen. Yet, knowing that they were living in, in a place for something better for us. They stayed in faith, knowing God was using them to prepare a way for us. Right? The cross of Jesus Christ. So, in, in verse 1, then, in, in, in chapter 12, it says, uh, Seeing then that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You can go ahead and highlight that and underline that in your Bible, witnesses. Seeing that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, somebody say us means me, let us lay aside every sin and weight which so easily ensnares us, right? So let us lay aside the things that keep setting us off track. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, not looking under the circumstances, not looking under the situation, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, right? In other words, he lowly esteemed the cross. He didn't even call the cross a big deal in the light of eternal salvation. So it says, when it gets hard for you to run your race, look unto Jesus, Consider Jesus. When you begin to moan and groan and complain, when I begin to moan and groan and complain, it's not a good time to gather somebody else who's moaning, groaning, and complaining. It's time to look unto Jesus. And it says, why do we do that? Because he endured such hostility of sinners. The hostility that Jesus bore on himself for us is nothing. He said, none of you have endured to the shedding of blood like Jesus Christ. So he said, get to that place of understanding that you'll receive correction from the one who's guiding your race. 
Well, just go, to go back, uh, we could go through that whole thing. That's really not my message. But uh, um, to go back to, to witnesses, witnesses. So we've often looked at that. I've done it myself uh, uh, when somebody passes away. Don't know that it's, you know, there's sometimes double meaning. But we're like, well, we're in a stadium, and all those people are watching us, witnessing us run our race. There may be truth to that. But in context, more of what he's saying is you go to uh, Noah, you go to Enoch, you go to Abraham, you go to David, and if you were to go to them in a court of spiritual law and say, I'm, I'm fixing to run my race, but I'm really unsure whether God will come through. That they would take, you know, in, in America we look at it this way, that they would take the Bible they would put their right hand on the Bible, and Noah would say, I'm here to testify as an eyewitness with evidence of the ark and evidence that you all are here today that God is faithful. I'm here to testify. That I didn't know what an ark was. I had never seen one. I didn't know what rain was. It had never rained before. But God said, build an ark. And I said, God, if you want me to, I will. He showed me how. He gave me the material, the resources, the ingenuity, the help. I built an ark. He called me and told me to put animals in it. And he was going to preserve a generation for his cause. We put them all in the ark. It rained. It flooded. You're here today because God's faithful. Abraham would put his hand on the Bible and say, you know what, of and in myself, I never could have had children because Sarah was barren. But God came to me and he said, I will make you a father of many nations. And from your loins, I'll make a great nation. And Abraham said, give me that Bible. I'll testify to you right now as a witness, an eyewitness, experiential witness that God is faithful. I who could not have children, my wife who could not have children, God caused us to bear a son. And through that, the nations of the world have come forth and been blessed through the Messiah, Jesus, who came for me. And God said it, and God performed it. And I'm here to be a witness of the faithfulness of God. Come on, it says we got to start feeding on his faithfulness. Because you'll get caught in a moment's time and think God's not faithful because of a moment. But God, even though we live in time, God is working in time for something in eternity. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. We tend to quit and get weary because circumstances look off. But when we begin to meditate and celebrate the faithfulness of God, things change. Abraham would testify, I was discouraged from time to time in the 25 years between when God told me I was going to have a son and Isaac was born. I made some mistakes and I was discouraged. Well, how'd you get over that? Because I meditated on the faithfulness of God. I encouraged my faith, so I never got weak in faith. How'd you do that? Because I encouraged myself knowing that God was able to perform that which he promised. Come on. So when we get discouraged, is this ever going to happen? We go and we go, well, there's an there's a eyewitness testimony that whether it looks like it or not, God always does what he said he would do. Feed on his faithfulness. All right. All right, I better get moving here. All right. Praise the Lord. 
So we feed on his faithful. Delight yourself in him. He'll direct your path. All right. Psalms 20, verse 4. It says, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remain, remember the name of the Lord our God. So, so many trust in natural strength, but we trust in the Lord our God. Amen. And so those are our foundational texts. I believe that if you'll, you'll begin to commit your ways to him, you'll delight yourself in him, you'll meditate on his faithfulness and feed on his faithfulness, not everything else that's going around, all of a sudden your view of your life and your purpose will begin to change. The transformation is on its way. Transformation is taking place for those who will meditate on him. And so while we were there in that restaurant, and we were talking to uh, these fellow ministers. The, uh, the one that we talked to said, that's been on my heart. That very phrase, turning point. And so they gave me this definition of turning point. A time at which a decisive change in a situation occurs. Especially with one with beneficial results. Listen to this. Watershed. Critical moment. Decisive moment. Moment of truth or crossroads. Crossroads means an intersection of two or more roads, a point at which crucial decision must be made that will have far-reaching effects. Well, that's kind of where we've been in describing this. But I want to go back just here in a moment, uh, uh, for a moment, to this one word, this one definition. And when they, when they said that to me and I looked at this definition, I went, now this, this seems more, seems more on the inside what God was showing me when he said it would be a turning point year or two years, you know. Because when you look at a critical moment in time, you're like, now how can two years be a, a turning point time? But I believe this helps explain it for us just a little bit. This word watershed means this. The term watershed refers to the network of tributaries that feed a river, lake, sea, or other body of water. A rainstorm in the upper part of a watershed will produce a rise in water levels downstream. So stuff's been happening upstream that's fixing to come downstream. Stuff's happening, happened in years past that's fixing to come moving into our time. Glory to God. It says, if there are several storms happening throughout the watershed at the same time, the result may be a flood. Hmm. When all of the increased water flow hits the river at the same time or nearly the same time, it used to be referred to as a watershed moment. The increased flow causes a dam to, can cause a dam to fail is another watershed moment. In other words, when it gets so big, whatever the devil's trying to hold back just bursts forth and God's, uh, it just floods everything out. Today, the term watershed moment usually refers to an uh, indef uh, identifiable time in which a number of causes combine to produce an intense or powerful effect. Often, the effect is triggered by an event. Woo, praise the Lord. So let's just take that definition for a moment. We'll get as far as we can. 
this watershed moment. God's been speaking really to us to, to pray into this. So a couple of things I just want to say uh, uh, as God spoke to us in the first service. That now, right now, right now, according to Scripture, not just according to Pastor Mark, according to Scripture, now is not a good time to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now is not a good time. You say, well, why is that? Because God has gathered us together over time for an eternal purpose. I mean, if you think about God and trying to get uh, communities uh, uh, affected and, and people coming and going in, in a large degree, how that fits together. But he's brought us together and he's really started from the beginning. We have words that he's spoken over this place. And in that place of speaking over this, he's been saying things in, in the past that pertain to the present and the future. And in that, he's, he's, he's ready, I believe in these next two years, he's bringing things together of what he has spoken. There's things that have been spoken to us as a church that if you don't know what they are or weren't here, it's going to be difficult to see how those streams are coming together. But if you have and you remember those, it's time to come together to hear how they're fitting together, how they're affecting us together, how they're going to flow out in a flood into our community. Things that God has said about faith, about righteousness, about the Holy Spirit. Things he said about us here personally. Signs and wonders and miracles taking place in facilitating reaching our community. And how that takes place is going to be very, very important. It's not something, oh, well, I know the Bible says it, but I'm busy. It's not time to be busy with your own business. For the kingdom of God is coming to a turning point, a watershed moment where all the things that God has spoken to us are about to come together. He's not looking at just one thing I said to you. He's been building line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And so two years ago, he said, you're going to need patience, perseverance, and endurance. Why? Because he doesn't want us quitting and getting weary before the harvest. He said, if you'll not quit, you'll reap. But if you quit, there's no harvest for you to see. So he doesn't want us quitting. He doesn't want us growing weary. He wants us intertwining ourselves with him and intertwining ourselves with what he has declared even in times past. That he's bringing together different streams, different rivers, different Thoughts, different words coming together into a fullness to flood the water to rise and even to break out and to break through things that the enemy has done to stop it up. So now's the time to get in and to renew your mind to what he has said about this place, what he said to you concerning this place and what he has spoken to you concerning what he's called and gifted you to do. It's not a time to lay back and say, well, whenever, but to focus on what he has said, what he is saying, and how it will culminate into a greater rising of the water, so to speak, that even will go out into the depths of the water and it will be a place that you cannot walk, but you will have to swim in even the moving of the Holy Spirit. You'll have to realize that it's not what you can control because your feet are still on the bottom, but you are subject to the flow and the move of the Spirit of the living God. It's not a time to draw back, but to press in as Ezekiel did. He went in ankle deep, then he went in waist deep, but then he got in so far that it was a river that he must swim in. And so now is a time to bring a focus, 
Not a broad scene, but begin to focus more on the things that the Spirit of God is saying and what He's doing. We've also been praying from Joel and we've been praying in, uh, from Hosea and Zechariah where God talks about the outpouring of the Spirit of God. He always likens His coming or the outpouring to the rain. He says, I liken it to the rain like the early rain and the latter rain, the former rain and the latter rain, and those rains coming together in a last day's move of God. So there was the outpouring at the beginning of the age in the book of Acts. There is the outpouring that the Spirit of God has talked about that has not yet come. But there will be a combination of the early rain. The signs and the wonders and the miracles of the book of Acts will come together for this generation in a way and a time and a season that God has ordained. And the old and the new will come together in a manifestation of a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it will be a watershed moment as it outpours upon the hills and the valleys and converges into the place that God designed for a revival like the world has not yet seen. So lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Lift up your eyes for the fields are white unto harvest. And God is doing something in the earth right now for this generation. And he desires to do it in you and with you and for you. And so there's this combining of things that God has. This combining, this watershed moment, when we talk about turning points, we're talking about this watershed moment. How does that work? It's coming together. It's a building up of things. So he tells us, you know, through Deuteronomy, talks to his people. We are his people. And he says there in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and you can read it. I encourage you to read it. I told the first service, you know, get your Bibles, bring your Bibles to church. And I apologize if we've gotten you lazy in that way by putting it up on the screen. But you need to bring your Bible in whatever form that it is. So you can highlight it. You can make a note. When God speaks to you, you can make a note and go back and say, oh, that's what you were saying in that moment to me. Because he's going to bring what he said in this moment and then what he says in this moment together to bring a greater revelation and clarity and accuracy. Right? So sometimes we see through a glass darkly, and we take this component and see it this way, then we take this component and see it this way, but God wants us to take this component and this component and see it this way. So that we're not double-minded, even from his word, but we're drawn together in that which he, he is saying, all right? And so he just says this, he says, every command you have to remember remember the Lord your God. And then if you read that, he begins to talk about how he brought them through the wilderness for a purpose. What was that purpose? Why, were, why did they hit hunger? Why did they hit some things? He tested their hearts. He'll find out if your heart is with him or not. When circumstances don't go our way, are we out or do we trust him? When it's not going the way we expected, are we out? So he's doing something. There are some things that he tests us with. Will we obey? Will we be out? And then he says, after that, I'm bringing you into, when you're tested, I'm bringing you into a land that flows with milk and honey. He goes through a progression of things. He's building up. But he says, you're going to come to a place of the fruition of my promise. And when you do, if you're not careful, you'll say, look what I have done. And he says, don't you forget that it's the Lord your God who gave you the power to get wealth so that he might establish his covenant in the earth. 
God is doing things, has been doing things, and will continue to do things that through his church he may establish the clarity of his covenant in the earth. So others who are outside will be drawn to the knowledge of that covenant, which is when I make Jesus the Lord of my life, I make a covenant to be one with him and him with me. Life-changing, watershed moment for the person who's born again. So we not only get caught in a watershed uh, turning point, but we lead people to turning points in their life. And so we do that, as we said, committing our ways in prayer. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, prayer. Uh, you know, if you don't know how to pray, you haven't been praying, one of the ways to get more intimate and hear his voice is to come unto him. When you go into your prayer closet, stop for a minute, invite him in. Most of the time we get started right away telling him what we want. Take time to invite him in. Imagine him sitting right across from you. Take at least three things that you're thankful for. Start telling him how thankful you are for what he's done for you. At least three things. Then ask him, what do you think about me? Then ask him, what do you admire in me? What do you want me to change? And then what do you want me to do? That's a really good prayer life. Just trying to tell you how. How do you feed on his faithfulness? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Start working on it. Well, how am I going to get involved in prayer if it's prayer? What's well, one way you get started? And then you start knowing him better. You start knowing his voice. You start locating his voice, right? Not yours. When he tells you, what you need to do, and you go like, I'm not doing that. Well, then you'll get side-railed. You have to really listen and involve yourself. Well, that just sounds like mind over matter. No, you use your imagination for a lot of things. You can imagine Jesus right there with you in your prayer closet. So prayer is important. Meditating on the Word is important. Get a devotional time. I don't know if you know this. I'm serious about this. I'm pastoring you right now. Get the Word of God. Get a time that you get into the Word of God. And I'll show you where it's important because we're going to start doing as, as the occasion demands. And if you don't know how to locate how the occasion demands or what to do and say because you don't have the word of God in you, you don't know what the spirit of God's saying, we'll be in the wrong place doing the wrong thing at the right uh, wrong time. But he wants us to be in the right place at the right time doing as the occasion demands. All right. So prayer, meditation of the word, and the church. The church, we just addressed that, but I want to share with you a couple things concerning the church. Uh, turn over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. First Samuel 22. First Samuel and 22. Starting in verse 2, uh, let's just put it in this framework just to talk about it a little bit. David, who was anointed king as a young boy, uh, uh, you know, could have said, I'm ready to go. But, you know, he had a process to follow through. We'll get to the place where he, he uh, killed Goliath pretty soon. But he's killed Goliath. He's doing stuff. Then all of a sudden, uh, Saul gets jealous of him and chases him. And so he goes to the cave of Adullam by himself to hide from the king. And then this starts to happen. It says, and everyone who was dis in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. 
And so he became their captain or he became their pastor over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Now, how would you like to have that church? Glory to God. So we have some of that. Some of you are distressed. Some of you are discontent. And some of you are in debt. Maybe if we covered the whole crowd, we, everybody would be in one of those conditions. Well, praise the Lord. That gives us a good place. So they came into the cave of Adullam in that condition. In that condition. They came to church. What, what happened in the church? David, I believe this with all my heart, David began to preach to them the word of the Lord. And he began to testify to them the things that the Lord had done. And what the Lord had done for him. And he began to just share that every day. The word of the Lord. How he sang psalms to the Lord. How he meditated on the word of the Lord. How the Lord rescued him. How the Lord helped him with the lion and the bear. He told them about the testimony of Goliath. He talked to them about standing in the army of God. Leading the army of God to protect the nation of Israel and the lands that God had given them. And so you have 400 men who are discontent, distressed, and in debt. And they come to gather together in the cave of Adullam. And after so many years, listen to these 400 people who were discontent, uh, discouraged, and in debt. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now they're not discouraged, discontent, and in debt, they are mighty men. Listen to this. Josheb Bashabeth, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains, he was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him, now how many discouraged, discontent people do you see killing 800 men at one time? I mean, you have one symptom knock at the door, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm sick. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. If you want to hear all these subnames, you have to listen to Pastor Tasha's teaching. She's got funny things about all the subnames, you know, like Dodo. Um, don't be a Dodo. Um, the Ahohite. One of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered for their, there for battle and the men of Israel uh, had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistine until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop uh, where there was a piece of ground full of beans or lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Man, it's pretty good to go from discontent and in debt and distressed to whooping the Philistines in the middle of a bean field. Then three of the 30 men went down to the harvest, uh, at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Whew. 
So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. If somebody went and got something for me and I poured it out, they would be offended. They were like, wow, we are really honored. We went and risked our life to get this for you, and you were so honored at that, you couldn't even drink what we brought you. Different way of thinking. Verse 18, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three. Was he not more honored? Uh, Was he not the most honored of three? Therefore, he became uh, their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Benaniah, uh, Benaniah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man uh, from Kabzeel who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. You think God's not watching the detail of your life? lion-like men, and then he killed a lion in the pit on his... I mean, it would be enough to just kill a lion in the pit. But dear Lord, you had to do it in the middle of a snowy day. Come on, it speaks to mindset. Many times that's how we get if we're not understanding what God is saying to us, watching, collectively encouraging one another as we're like, dear Lord, I'm fighting a lion and it's got a snow? If we're not careful, we get focused on the snow and the circumstances instead of the strength of God. And you can read on. Time doesn't permit us, but read on. These men who came to David in the cave of Adullam, who were distressed, discontented, in debt, came out to be mighty men and warriors of God, accomplishing even the things and greater that their captain had taught them from the word of God and dependent upon the spirit of the living God. And we wonder why we incur battles and we have struggles with those battles. But if we gather together and we hear what the Spirit of God is saying and what He's done, and we look at those things that He has done for us and in our midst, we begin to see that God has a great victory in store for us. I mean, I remember in in looking at this, and we we ended last time with this scripture in in 1 Samuel chapters 10 and verse 6. It says that as Samuel is talking to um, uh, King Saul, he said, now you're going to go up to this mountain where they're having church, basically. They're offering sacrifices, and and the prophets are there, the priests are there. And he said, the prophets are going to come around. They're going to be proclaiming the word of God. And when you get into that atmosphere where the word of God is being preached and proclaimed, the anointing is going to come upon you. And when the anointing comes upon you begin to preach or proclaim the word of the Lord so that you begin to recognize the anointing that's upon you so then God's going to lead you different places and when he leads you different places and you sense that anointing do as the occasion demands so God has been speaking to me about us the church that God is preparing us for this move of God in the next two years this watershed moment that we gather together we begin to see what God is doing and so we know We truly know the anointing. We truly know the moving of the Spirit of God. We're not just imagining. We know what it is so God can lead us where we're supposed to go. We know what the occasion demands. So I remember being in meetings, you know, watching 
Meetings, just getting started in the things of God, wondering, not even knowing a lot. And, and I would sit in meetings, and, and my hands would begin to get, you know, warm. And, and, and I would just start to think, man, uh, somebody needs healing in this place. And, and think, man, am I supposed to do something? Am I supposed to do something? But I really knew, like, I'm nobody. And if I stand up to do something, this could be, they could throw me out. And so I'm just watching, and, and pretty soon, the minister says, you know what? Anybody who's sick, come up here. We're going to lay hands on you. As soon as they come up and start praying healing line, a sensation in my hands would go away. My heart would be brought to peace. And this happened a number of times. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Why is this happening? He said, just be patient. So then, you know, I begin to start to understand being in different places. Then, then in church, you know, Pastor Craig would be preaching and he'd say something. Boy, something would just jump up in my heart. And I would think, oh, am I supposed to jump up and say that? It's like, no, don't say anything. But after a while, after serving, after being faithful, he would just be there, and, and he would start, you know, speaking or doing something, and then he would just look, and he'd go, uh, Mark, you got something? And I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I do. In other words, what was he doing? As I was watching, as I was listening, I was starting to sense the anointing. In the proper time, in the proper place, if I'd have jumped up and said, ah, we need healing. Brother Hagen, I have healing in my hands. It had carted me out, but to realize... What is that sensation? And then see it walked out. Hear the testimonies of faithfulness and what God's doing. Then you begin to realize and understand and know. And then all of a sudden, you're out somewhere and you realize, God's brought me here. The anointing's on me. What does the occasion demand? See, Jesus was out and sometimes because he knew this, he knew what the occasion demanded. We think sometimes the occasion just demands signs, wonders, and miracles. But when they came to Jesus, he said, we want to see a sign. And he said, you're not going to get a sign. Let me teach you the word. Then somebody else said, we've heard the word a lot. And he said, well, if you're having trouble believing the word, don't, don't just look to the word. There will be signs. The occasion demands some different things at different times. Right? And so, so uh, David, we go back to David. When he came, went to fight Goliath, he had had an experience. We're talking about watershed moments. God is building things. God is moving things forward. And so he had experienced some things with God in prayer and activity. And so now he sees Goliath there, and he says, you know, he goes through that whole place. And then uh, Saul comes to him and says, well, you can't go out there. Uh, you're just a youth. And he says, wait a minute. I've had some experience with God. This isn't my first rodeo, Saul. God's been with me. I, I tended my father's sheep, and when a lion came, I grabbed him by the beard, and I slew him, and the, 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 the bear came, and I slew him. And he said, because I have experienced the lion and the bear and, and the grace of God, this Philistine will be like one of them. And so listen, he knew that. And then Saul said, here, take my armor. He was messing with it, and he said, no. The occasion right now does not demand armor, for I am depending upon the hand of the Lord my God. Now, because he went out and slew uh, 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 Goliath, he didn't start a doctrine of slingshot killing giants. And in fact, we never see him kill another enemy with his slingshot. He actually went out in armor and had an armor bearer. But the specific occasion demanded that he go out with the stones and his sling. 
God is wanting to teach us how to flow with him and do as the occasion demands. What word do I speak if his word is not in my heart? I don't know how to follow the spirit. I won't know what the occasion demands. But when the word is in my heart, he can prompt that and the word will begin to come forth. There's many things that are in my heart that if you ask me, you, oh, you said that. I could not quote that scripture. I couldn't just do it off the cuff. But under the anointing, that word comes forth as if I've known it all my life. Because it's in there. It's not simply trying to be memorized. It's stored in there by the Spirit of God. So that when the occasion demands, it can come forth. He's trying to show us that place, that thing. Understand this. I want to share this one other thing. There's two other uh, instances. We may catch up on those later. But I want to share this turning point moment of Moses and as the occasion demands. Because I believe it's very important. Exodus 22, you can read it starting verse 1. God came to Moses. It was time to go in, uh, take them <clears throat> forward. And uh, God said this. He said, uh, you're going to go and I'm going to send my angel with you. So go ahead and take the children of Israel into the land of Egypt. If I go with them, I'm probably going to get mad. If I go with you, I'm probably going to get upset with the, the stiff-necked people. So go ahead, and my angel will go with you. I believe this is a turning point moment for Moses, for Israel, for everyone. Because he could have. And I've heard people say this before. And uh, if you've said it, I'm not bringing any. I'm just trying to bring some further understanding of what you might do. They've prayed. They've been in, 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 in crossroads places. And they've said, well, God told me I could do whatever I want, whichever one I choose. And they say, so I choose this. Well, I suggest you stop for a moment and say, thank you. But which one do you choose? Because Moses could have gone in with an angel. Most of us are like, woo, the angels are going with us. He said, I am not going unless you go with me. I'm not going unless you go with me. We're coming into a time that you're not just going to have to have permission. You're going to have to know who's going with you. Not just say, I could do this. You can, but who's going with you? Angelic health will be good, but it's great to know that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. And I'm not just talking about real life. I'm talking about extraordinary stuff. I have to close because we have to install members. You're just going to have to try to stay with me. I'm trying to process this as I go. I'm sorry. Usually I have a better grasp on a message. Well, maybe I don't, but it seems like I do. This is burning so big in me, I can't hardly get it all out because I see things. I'm starting to see things that it's not, it's not churchy. We have to gather together. We know our terminology, but when you go out, God's going to give you something, and he's going to put you in the right place, and there's going to be a spirit come upon you, and there's going to be a boldness, and you're going to think, oh, and it's not brash. I'm not talking about bold personality. I'm talking about you, you're just there, and God says, I want you to do this, and you're like, woo, there's an anointing. There's a, strength. There's a spirit of might. There's a spirit of boldness that just can't. I know what to say. I'm not talking about how loud you say it, how forceful you say it. Just like I know what to say. So I'm going to say it. That's boldness. Like, not like I'll tell you. I know what to say. No, all of a sudden what you didn't know, he shows you what to say. 
and you say it, and somebody says, my God. I'm not talking about thinking for a while and going, you could have a back problem. You couldn't have a back problem. You could have a back problem. You couldn't have a back problem. I sense you could have a back problem. We got a 50-50 shot. I'm talking about like, I know that I know that I know. God loves you. And God wants to minister to you. And he wants to heal you. Right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we speak to his body right now. We command every organ of his body to receive the life of God. Restructuring. Opening that which is closed down. Reshaping. Miracle working power at work in his body to bring about not just a healing, but a cure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strength to his mortal body. Strength to his mortal body. We speak life and strength to his mortal body. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he's going to give us things to do as the occasion demands. To do as the occasion demand, not to work it up, but as we're meditating on the Word of God, as we're praying, as we're gathering together, the Spirit of God is moving in our midst. He's going to continue to move, to pull us together for our region of the world, for our locale, for the people that we come in contact with, not for grand meetings, but for assigned appointments, designed points of meeting that God has set up. These next two years are going to be turning point. They're going to be a watershed. There's going to be a coming together and a a flooding and a filling up. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, minister to every heart and in every life. The very things that we're seeing, that we see, that we know, that we might grasp. I thank you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you for each and every one. Fill them with the knowledge of your will, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Flood hearts with light. There might be a greater expectation of the call than ever before. Not falling into religious formulas, but God recognizing what the church is for. The word, the name, the blood, the leading of the spirit of God for everyday life to overcome and to reign in life through Jesus Christ. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for touching every heart, every life, anointing each one, God. Show them what the anointing is, what it means, how it feels. We might walk in it. We might live in it. We might operate from that place of anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
<clears throat> well, thank you for being patient. Uh, we want to install these members. Membership is such an important part in our vision. Every member in their place see the glory of God and possess the land. And so as, as those uh, members have taken the Connect class, class and said they want to be members of New Creation Church, join themselves within the body, finding a place that they fit, their, their gifts, their abilities fit within the body, we want to install them and pray over them. So if I call your name, if you'd come up here, face the congregation and just line up here in the front, Clarissa Ball, Karen Wagner, Jasmine Castro, Ryan Schieser, Isaac Ryder, Deborah Stevenson, Tim Taylor, Melissa Taylor, Charles Trujillo, and Tamara Trujillo. Why don't you come up here? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Very important time for any local church is receiving members into the body. And as they have really taken Connect class, they've seen areas of, of service. They have learned about the vision of the church and how we're structured and all those things. And they've said, you know, we believe that God's called us. We want to be members. We want to be parts of this. Add our supply to the body, which then we trust as the body will stir in them and grow the, the gifts and the supply in them that will work not only within the body, but equip them with grace to reach outside of these four walls and affect their sphere of influence even outside. So why don't you stand up and stretch your hands out here as we pray for these. Glory to God. Father, we're so thankful for the vision that you've given to us. We thank you for your leading, your guiding, drawing uh, those into fellowship uh, with the local church body, as members in particular, they have a functioning, they have a place. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to stir in their hearts as we've just prayed, light, enlightening them to their role, the things that you've called them to here at New Creation Church. We receive them today into the local church body. We call it an installation, but uh, we see them being set in the body just as it pleases you, that you're pleased with members of your body, each one in particular, having its role in its place. So we pray over them right now as, as they step into this place. We pray over them, God, that you would lead them and guide them, and that in that place of fitting together, that there they will bring a supply and they will be supplied for where every joint comes together and supplies. That there will be an edification and a building up in their life that will flow not only into their life but from their life that they will edify and build others up. I thank you, Father, they add strength to the body so that the body itself will grow from the love that they bring and the strength and the gifting that they bring. So we receive them into the body that the body becomes even more healthy greater in its outreach and greater in its influence because they'll go out and shine as lights where they are. So we receive them and we pray for graces to come upon their life as they step into this place. Supernatural abilities and favor and influence for this season as they fit into the local church body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.
So I ask you all up here right now, if you would go out into the foyer right there and just you can line up on both sides of the foyer. I ask all of you as you go out, make sure that, yeah, no, we're not doing a tunnel thing. <laughs> the foyer's too wide. <laughs> but to line up just so the, the members of the body can shake your hand, congratulate you, welcome you, right? They'll get to know your face a little bit better, and uh, that connects us a little bit more. So you guys can go before everybody gets going. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.